Hi guys, and welcome to another special episode of Horror Nights and Podcasts with me, your host Crystal. I also have my wonderful co-host, the one and only Roxy the Kitty, who adds in her comments here and there depending on the topic. So on this podcast, we talk about my life, my favorite horror movie of the week that you guys pick, also mental health pertaining to horror, and anything else horror. So thank you so much for being here. I upload a new podcast every other Monday, and I also challenge all of you listening to leave me me an iTunes review. It not only makes my days better, it also helps other horror fans find me. You can also find me on the socials on Twitter at HorrorDaddiesRS, Instagram at Horror Nights in Podcast, Tumblr at Horror Nights in Podcast, Slasher and TikTok at Horror Nights in, and of course uh, YouTube at Horror Nights in Podcast. So be sure to follow me on there for all the latest Horror Nights in news. So just a quick disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist. I simply wish to take the stigma out of mental health. I am always here to listen and share my own stories. Remember, you are never alone if you struggle with your mental health. And if things get too dark, there is help. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline can be easily reached at 1-800-273-8255. It is available 24-7 and is free and provides confidential support for anyone in distress. Enjoy the episode, guys. Welcome to Horror Nights in Podcast. Scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. It's Shanta! grab my notes so on twitter i opened up my dms to anyone who wanted to guest host on horror nights in and i got a ton of messages so thank you so much for that so today i have chris the creator and showrunner of the podcast hacker slash she is a star wars enthusiast and a slasher aficionado hasher slash has uh also some amazing merch which i actually looked at yesterday so shout out to you guys the link for this podcast of course will be in the description box for uh the show notes if you guys want to go check that out um they also have a ton of amazing episodes with some of my favorite horror films like creep scream final destination and hell house llc and chris i'm going to tell you something about hell hell house llc i'm not sure if you know this yet but um and as i said i will have all the podcast information linked in the show notes so definitely go support chris and her and her amazing co-host and her podcast so a little quick story which i'm not sure you'd you would i guess you'd have to listen to the episode or when i was guesting on somebody's episode i can't remember exactly when i said this story but i went to so i live in pennsylvania and I went yeah. to I went to a haunted house and um, I went in and I was like, that was so much fun. And I went home and I'm maybe like three or four weeks later, I'm watching Hell House LLC and I'm like, oh my God, that looks so freaking familiar. I'm like, oh my I'm like this place. I was like, I swear I've been there. That looks exactly like the haunted house I was just at a couple weeks ago. So I look it up and I go to, I was actually, I think I was recording, I think I was recording the podcast and I went on IMDb and I looked at the notes for the movie and I was like, Oh my God, I was in that haunted house last, like two weeks ago. So I was in 
Hell House LLC where they filmed that movie. How crazy is I, that? I envy you so much, Rhina. Uh, I want to live your life. Yeah. At this point, I had no desire to go to Pennsylvania except for uh, we went to Terror Behind the Walls in Philadelphia. Yes. But now I know I, I must go back. <laughs> so it's about, um, I want to say it's like 45 minutes away from like where I live and the outside of Philly and everything. Um, but yeah, I had absolutely zero idea that it was the film, that it was the movie um, that or was the haunted house from the film. And I was like, I was watching the movie and I was like, that looks so familiar. Why do I know this place? And I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, it was there. I'm so dumb. That's going to be a spooky sensation. (laughs) It was very strange because I think it it clicked when they were doing the outside recordings of the house, of the haunted house. That's when I was like, that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is weird. Like this has to be. And then they did a sequel and I was just like, this is so cool. Like I've been there. So I was really excited. Did you see the sequel? I haven't watched the sequel yet but everybody see the thing is the the beginning of it throws me off so much because I was so turned off by that whole like interview in the beginning because it was so horrible that I was like I can't watch this it's gonna completely destroy my image of the first one because the first one was so good yeah I I loved the first one it was the first movie in a long time when watching it I felt like I needed to turn my tv off uh and that hasn't happened to me since I was a very small child uh but the uh watching the sequel I was really bummed and a little disappointed but I need to give it a fresh perspective now that my expectations are a lot lower yeah yeah I was just I, I I was watching it and I was just like I don't want this to mess up um how I feel about the first one so I was like I'm not gonna watch it so yes guys this is Chris she is from she's from um hash slash so thank you so much for being on the show today oh, um my pleasure. thank you for having me yeah so first I just want to say thank you to you and your co-host for continuing to make and release content because the world of course is not in a good place right now and I think listening to podcasts is a good distraction for anyone who's a fan of horror films um so definitely because I got I know that you guys put out n- new episodes like all the time um oh, yeah, like every week yeah so and I really appreciate and I always encourage anybody who's listening to my podcast or watching my YouTube videos that if you've ever wanted to create anything or if you've ever wanted to be a part of this world to do so now because I think that it's just such a great distraction um mm-hmm. for you and for you know people who listen to you um just because you know obviously stay informed with the news in your local area but at the same time like don't kill yourself over it, you know? So thank you for that. (laughs) Um, So before we get into the topic of this episode, I wanted to ask Chris a couple questions and then we'll move into today's topic. So how are you feeling? I know that you are also on the East Coast too. Um, You're in Virginia, right? I think. I just moved from Virginia. The rest of the Hacker Slash family is in Virginia, excluding uh, Paris and I. We are down in uh, South Florida. Oh, Florida. Oh my God. Have you seen that meme lately where it said, if you want to get rid of one country or one state, which would it be and why Florida? <laughs> I have, but realistically, everybody hates on Florida, but then they forget that we don't have uh, income sales or uh, income tax. Yeah. Uh, and it's generally a beautiful place to live. So I'm not from like Florida, man, Florida. I'm from like Miami, Florida. So it's like okay. a nice little cultural melting pot. <laughs> Uh, very proud to be from here. No shame or regrets whatsoever. <laughs> hey, listen, I love Florida. One of my best friends moved down there like four or five years ago. So I go and visit her whenever I can. Um, it's just funny though, because I always feel like Florida gets shit on like 
always. I think it's just because, like, within the last few years, too, I feel like nobody ever paid attention to Florida. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's like, what the fuck's yeah, going on really, in Florida? Yeah, really, some heat in the, uh, when there was the infamous recount in Bush v. Gore. But, yes. Um, and then know, it's yeah. okay. It's fine. You know, things happen. I think people forget that South Florida is basically a different state from the rest of Florida. There's Mickey Mouse country. There's South Florida country. And then the rest of the state is just basically Alabama or Georgia. <laughs> It's really funny. I don't, I don't know. I always really liked Florida. I thought it was nice. It's always has nice weather. But I I feel like I feel like what was that other thing that happened? There was like that whole um that's Yes. I think that's yeah. yeah, I think that's kind of what triggered everyone to start paying attention to Florida news because everybody wanted to be like, oh, like what's going on? What's gonna happen next down in Florida? So like there's I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's kind of when it started, but I that's really oh, funny. That. That's funny. All right, so <laughs> that's good. Um, so what made you want to start your podcast? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, uh, and actually, especially since you speak so often on your show about, you know, mental health and how that relates to horror, um, I really want to start a podcast because I was at a point in my life where like my background is all in media production and journalism. I was a journalist in the Navy for over five years and I got to a point where I was exiting a like really long-term relationship I was out on my own for my first time, for the first time in a very long time, and mentally, you know, suffering from PTSD and anxiety, depression, all that good stuff. I, um, you know, I just needed an outlet. I needed to create. I needed a point where I could just create and pour myself into something. Um, I already kind of reached the pinnacle of where I wanted to go in terms of my career within that particular company, and I wanted to create something new and challenge myself. Podcast in particular, because my background is in video production. And I had a lot of hearing loss in the Navy and audio production was always a weakness of mine. So I, you know, I saw it as an opportunity to not only have a creative outlet, but to also challenge myself and force myself to learn something new. Oh my God. I love that answer. That's so great. Um, so which of the episodes, um, that you've done so far have been your favorite? So the episodes on your podcast. Oh my gosh. That is such a good question. Um, (laughs) That's so hard to choose. Uh, I think some of my favorite ones. Um, the Halloween 2018 episode was was a good time because it was such an anticipated movie for me, and I love that franchise. But I would say if you look at either Tucker and Dale versus Evil or uh, Train to Busan or Crawl, there's a point there where we were kind of shifting around some folks in our team, and we kind of came into our new core of like our. our our regulars and the the chemistry there was fantastic but i will say that some of the best episodes i think we put out are the ones about cheesy terrible movies mm-hmm. like there's a recent movie that's going to come out here in a couple of weeks called graduation day and boy did none of us like it but it brought together it brought us all together uh to really think critically about the movie but also have a good time together so uh, I would say looking around there, you'll have a good laugh in a few of those episodes. Oh, those are the best ones. I remember when I did, um, I did like Leprechaun one year for, for yeah. cause I feel like the first, when you first start to do podcasting, your first year of podcasting, especially in the horror field, you really 
uh, you do like the the you know like the Halloween special, the Valentine's Day special, and things like that. Oh yeah, and I girl, really yeah. three, three, <laughs> going on three years here. We're still doing it. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I feel like the first year that I did podcasting, um, I did Leprechaun, and I did I had a guest on, and he loved the movies, and I did not like them. So I have to agree with you a lot. It's better when you have a topic that you essentially maybe agree on a couple things, but then when you actually get to the point where it's like no this movie was horrible and that person's like well I'm gonna tell you why I really like it so I really I do like that a lot so the the film that you're doing graduation day is it a newer film or is it gonna be released I'm never it's a 1981 slasher oh god Um, it's coming out I believe on May 8th so we just recorded it our patrons have access to it now um this you know this time of quarantine has allowed me to get ahead so they're like a month and a half ahead on Patreon. They have access to all our episodes, but that'll come out early May for the rest of our listeners. Oh, that's so cool. Awesome. So why horror? What does it do for you that any other genre doesn't do for you? Oh, yeah. Um, so it binds my family together. I'm the youngest of five kids, and I grew up watching horror movies with all my siblings. I remember my first movie ever was Children of the Corn. Uh, so it was that and Disney sing-alongs. Like, they went hand-in-hand hand for me. Um, but realistically, it's this realization that no matter how scary things can be, um, everything's going to be fine. Like, you have a really shitty day? Well, not a mass villain out there fucking uh, slaughtering your family, so it's probably going to be all right. <laughs> nope, just just a disease rampaging the world. But yeah, either way. You know, but, yeah, <laughs> we're looking at different things now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but I think in terms of that, it's like the, there's also the subtext that soaks within horror. People give it a lot of crap because they're like, oh, it was just some bimbo running around while the man chases her. But Absolutely. you it's easy to look at the surface level and not appreciate the deep notes of feminism and representation that you have for marginalized groups uh, and and not really see how it's a reflection of the times that we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. Um, I think that as horror fans, unfortunately, when you say you like horror, we do get a stigma. Um, and it's kind of just like, oh, well, then, it, it, you know, you tell people like, oh, I really like horror films. They're like, oh, I have to stay away from you because you're going to murder me. And I'm like, well, if you think that, we don't need to be friends. I mean, I personally never had anything like that to me happen. But for the most part, people kind of look at you and they're just like, why do you like horror movies? And I'm like, because they're awesome. And I've said this in previous episodes. I really feel like horror films are the only type of film that I can actually sit down and watch and not be distracted by like anything like because I feel like when when I watch anything else any watch any other genre I'm always like all right well you know this is boring and I'm like let me go do something else let me get on my phone let me go wash my dishes and I really feel like for horror it's like I'm there the whole time like I'm there and I'm not paying attention to anything else like I'm there with the characters I want to know what's going to happen and I and that's why I love horror so much because you know it's like it takes you out of whatever you're feeling at the moment so oh sure um, and it allows you to really confront the idea of like grief and mortality mm-hmm. with a barrier in between you like yeah. you can sit there and dwell on those feelings without it being like the world's most depressing movie where you're just sobbing for hours yeah absolutely so chris what is your favorite horror movie halloween 1978 no dude you're the easiest question of my life <laughs> You're the third guest I've had in a row who has said Halloween 1978. If the next guest that I have on... For having a guest with good taste. It is the perfect horror movie. Uh, It is is a shining example of 
doing a lot with a little and not over explaining things. That's amazing. I swear if the next guest I have on doesn't say Halloween 1978, I don't think I'm going to be able to have them on my show because I just yeah, feel so like what's your credibility? I right just now? feel like everybody who comes and you know, it's funny before when I had before I had guests on a lot of people are saying like, oh, um, you know, that's like choosing my favorite child, which I'm totally I totally understand that too. Um, cause it always, we all know your favorite kids Halloween, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really feel like that's me too. It's either between scream or Halloween because I really scream feel like amazing. that's what we I'm saying. Scream too. Yeah. That, yes. I, that's the one that I list. I was listening to that one yesterday. Um, so, and I didn't know, I don't know if it was you or one of your co-hosts, but they said about that David Schwimmer thing. I had no idea. Yeah, oh yeah, my God. Was, uh, I, I picked up on the dumb stuff. Probably because I also dislike David Schwimmer. So anytime I hear his name, I'm like, <laughs> <gasps> You know, like, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I did not know that I was listening to it and I was actually working while I was listening to it and I heard that and I like rewound it a couple seconds because I was like, wait, 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 really? And I never picked up on that until I listened to the podcast yesterday. That's, that is why Scream is such an incredible franchise because there's always a little nugget to find no matter how many times you've seen it. What was, there's another one too. Uh, Matthew Lillard is in the second one as a party goer, I think, mm-hmm. right? I'm pretty yeah. sure yep. that's yep. what happens too. Um, he's in the background in a blonde wig. Um, yeah. So yeah. Video game. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, it's always either Halloween or Scream for me. I feel like it's always those are both such perfect films, as you said. You know what what you said about Halloween. So I have to totally agree with you on that. I really feel like those movies. Also, Creep is another one of the films that I think is a perfect film. (laughs) I listened to that one too, and I remember the first time I watched that movie, I was just completely blown away. I think I sat in, in front of my TV, like as the credits were rolling, and I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so unexpected, mm-hmm. especially, um, you know, when you look at just the expectations you may have as you're going into it, there's a level of discomfort that just, just that movie just reeks of. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the more that develops, you're like, how are you letting me get this far, man? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. That's one film that I, I remember I did a podcast on it and I was just like, you know, guys, I really think this is just another one of those perfect films. And there's not a lot of those, but when you oh, when yeah. you do it, when you watch a film, you know whether it's perfect or not. And I really I feel like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, do you think that the uh, horror genre um, helps someone with mental health? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. We all, we all, you know, grapple with our mental health in one way or another. Even if you think you don't, you actually do. <laughs> I mm. promise you. Um, it may not be to the severity of someone who's diagnosed with clinical depression or anything like that, but your mental health is something that you have to constantly maintain and balance. And when you look at a lot of the themes that can arise in horror and horror films, especially with today's topic that we're going to get to later, you know, I, like I said, I'm someone with uh, PTSD from the military and, you know, depression and anxiety. And I have found so many relatable moments that make me appreciate the films even more. It offers you this realm of escape without confronting you in such an aggressive way, like with the, with the way a drama would. Um, and even the movies like The Perfection, for example, that can confront you with that, you know, it does so, it, it walks this like a really fine tightrope of balance. Um, so I, I think it's an absolute huge win. I think it's, a, it's an opportunity to escape, but still 
subconsciously heal at the same time. Absolutely. I think a lot of horror films do that whole like, well, what would I do if I was in that situation? And I think that's what helps with anxiety and things like that because it's like, okay, I'm going to, okay, if I was in the situation, this is what I would do. So it's sort of like you're preparing yourself for something that that probably will never happen, but just having that comfort knowing that you know what you can do in that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. There's also the scientific side of it as well where – you know, where your adrenaline is pumping, but it's actually helping your anxiety um, and things like that. There's been a lot of studies on that before too. So I always find it interesting. That's why I always ask my guests who... uh, A hundred percent. I think even looking at that, I think horror movies give you a really excellent test of empathy in another human being. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're someone who just sits through a movie and says, oh my God, why are you making these terrible decisions? It's like, okay. Imagine for a second yeah. that you are suddenly being slaughtered <laughs> with all your friends. Like, what would you do? And exactly. it, it really gives you a good gauge. You know, I made a joke with one of our uh, new folks, Paris, and we are talking to her movie. I was like, do you, what's up with your empathy? He's like, I have none and I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> um, Amazing. We say that jokingly, obviously, but it really is a great opportunity to look at, like, how do you see the world from, an, how can you see the world from another person's lens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that answer. So I'm super excited. Thank you for answering those, uh, Chris. Really appreciate that. So I'm super excited for today's topic. I love having guests on that teach me things about horror that I may maybe not know as much about. Um, and Chris actually presented me with an idea of LGDP accumu- uh, representation in horror. I think I don't think I've ever touched on this before in any of my podcasts. I talk about... I talk about like themes and I talk about like mental health a lot, but for the most part, I never really go into the, you know, how horror is represent, you know, representing this. It's funny um, and kind of honestly sad. And I have no problem admitting this as I was making notes for the show. um, The first thing that came to my mind was how we may have these films that just have this like girl on girl action to either entice the male audience or the male characters. And that's so unfortunate because it's not even close to being represented well. And I was just sitting there and I was making notes and I was like, all right, how is, you know, how is this community represented in horror? And I was just like, well, I know there's a lot of films that a lot of horror films out there that make the two pretty main characters make out and the guys are watching and they like you know whatever and I'm like that's horrible that that's the first thing I think of that's the real horror yeah (laughs) it is and I was just like how have I never really really I guess I know that there's like undertones which we'll get into so I guess my first question is like how do you think horror represents the community of the LGBT community Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and I think it's one that is going to... That answer is a moving target. Uh, Right now, I can assure you that we are far better than we've ever been, but tomorrow we'll be even better than that. 20 years from now, we'll be be looking at today and saying, wow, where are all the mainstream gay characters in these movies? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not to say that they don't exist, but they... They exist at a severely disproportionate rate of like cisgendered and, and um, you know, heterosexual folks. And when we look at the way they're represented, you look at history and like the Hayes Code and queer coding. Yes. And you look at um, you, know, you look at 
how the gay community was vilified and for so many years. Um, I think we're better today, but we still have a lot of work left to do. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there are a few films um, that I've watched over the years. Um, have you seen the film um, What Keeps You Alive? Have you seen that I one? Not, no, okay. So it's about um, and this it's not even like the me. So it's a it's a um, a married couple, two women, and they go into the woods. They're celebrating their one year anniversary. It's basically this cat and mouse game between them the whole time because the one wife like turns out to be like psychotic and she's like, she's like hunting her is. hunting her wife in the woods. Um, <laughs> but it was actually a really good film. But the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, okay, like, that's cool. Like, they're a lesbian couple. Like, I, whatever. Because the film itself was so good that it wasn't centered around yeah. that. Um, mm-hmm. But, and then, of course, High Tension. Um, that's also yeah. another really good film that I know is is popular within the community. Um, but those are more like films that are like, okay, here's, you know, here's this couple, you know, same-sex couple, etc., Um, but I really feel that there are more films out there that sort of like do that just below the surface suggestion kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you said as we, when we were talking like last week, um, you were talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street to Freddy's Revenge. Mm -hmm. And I was doing research on that the other day and I never put that together. And this, this is the thing that I'm talking about. Like I've seen all these films, but I guess I just was not paying attention in that way right. and and that's the incredible thing it's it's about visibility and awareness right and that's mm-hmm. not any fault of you it's the fact that you know within the entertainment industry it has all been subtext and even yeah. as as if you are a member of the lgbt community there's at some point more than likely a point in your life where you're living your life in subtext where you're perceiving yeah. your interactions with people based on subtext Oh, hey, um, my my girl. That's uh, my friend. That's a girl. She complimented me, but like, what does that mean? You uh, know what I mean? It, yeah. It gets, you're often trying to figure that out. I think it's a lot different now. Uh, but it's more so like when you're like just coming into things. And you're like, what am I even? Who am I even? Yeah. But, uh, subtext is just it's 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 all, it's all over the community. Yeah. So as I was doing the research on the Nightmare on Elm Street too, because it's the film that you were talking about. I never realized that Jesse, he's pretty much the first, like, male scream queen and how Mm -hmm. Freddy Krueger, or he was possessed by Freddy Krueger is a clear metaphor for, like, Freddy's desire to sort of, like, be with him. And I never, I never thought of that before, ever. And I was so blown away by it. And I was like, what? Like, I... I rewatched the film and I was just like, oh my gosh, how did I never notice any of this? Yeah. Well, I think it's also because we've grown up in a different time, right? Like, so I don't, I'm not sure how old you are. I was born in 1989. Um, I grew up, you know, looking at different kinds of representation in the LGBT community and movies. Mm-hmm. And I saw Freddy's Revenge when I was a small child. Yeah. And I saw it again when I was a teenager. But because I wasn't alive during the rampant rampant homophobic times of the mid 80s during the HIV AIDS epidemic uh, that was a so that was something that was lost on me I never put that together until I was much older 
Yeah, yeah. I was born in 88, so we're around the same time. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, So another thing that I, my sister, who is gay, which is fantastic. I adore her so much. Not that I wouldn't if she wasn't gay. I'm just saying. (laughs) Shout out to my sister. So she actually taught me this, and I had absolutely no idea. But, and this is something that I don't think I've ever brought up before, like to the, to on my Twitter or anything, but the Babadook is like oh, yeah, yeah I, I I never knew that and Pennywise yeah I never I had absolutely no idea and I was doing research on it and um apparently Netflix may or may not have put the Babadook in the in mm-hmm. the LGBT um portion of Netflix and I had no idea because I go to gay pride every year in New York City better than me i've never been oh yeah i go yeah i go every single year because i feel like and this uh, is not sound weird or anything but like my best friend is gay my other like my all my friends are gay and like i always want to support so like we go into the city we go into new york city every year and i remember last year or maybe like the year before i can't remember exactly but I kept seeing the Babadook everywhere. And I was like, yeah. what is this? And my friends were like, what is that? I'm like, it's from a horror movie. So I had no idea. And I asked my sister and she told me. And I was like, that is so cool. Because like, I never knew that. So do you think yeah. that they accidentally put it in Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, see, the Babadook is such an interesting movie because I can admire how deep it goes in so many different ways. Yeah. But I still didn't really like it very much. Oh my God, I hated it. Uh, yeah, I just you know, I hated I, it. Look at that, we're on the same page. I hated it. But the idea of the Babadook as a gay icon is incredibly hilarious. I, I love it. I'm here for it. I'm applauding <laughs> it. Um, the idea. I mean, really, when you look at it, it's about combating erasure, right? Like so. Yes. He's saying, no matter how hard you try uh, to deny me, the stronger I'll get. Yeah, it's just all about like that is so representative of where we are in terms of representation in entertainment. Um, I absolutely love it. Yeah, no, I had, yeah, no, I agree with you. I was not a fan of the film. It's just, um, there's so many things about the film that I just didn't sit well with me. Um, but that's for another day. Um, but I love that fact too. I was just like, I was, I was really like, why, why this? And, and then I, like I said, I did research on it and I was so enthralled by it. And I remember I told my sister and she was just like, yeah, she's like, isn't that cool? So then we went to the pride parade and I saw it. I was so excited because like, but I didn't know at that time. So, um, was an icon that emerged just as Doma was being overturned. And so there really couldn't have been better timing for him to show up. It's It was just so awesome to see. And I love that the community kind of just like took it as their own. We're like, we're going to own this now. Like, this is ours. Um, it's just so funny. I love I love how things get turned from something into something else. Um, yeah, your appropriation. We're here for it. Yo, as long as it has a positive spin. Absolutely. I loved it. Um, so... Do you think there needs to be more representation or do you actually prefer the undertones of something that may or may not be happening? Like, how do you think the world would take, I don't even know, like a, like if Sydney Prescott was gay, something like that. Like, how do you, how would you feel? I asked you like 12 questions in one. So proceed as no, you wish. Okay. I think it's, it's a, it's a complicated perspective. 
right? Um, there's this idea of like, hey, when will we have equality in America? It's gonna, be, it's not gonna be when we have like a woman who's president. It's like, well, when we have a president who's a woman, and no one makes a big deal about the fact that she's a woman, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at representation, I don't need to see a horror movie that has a lesbian as the main heroine, and the movie's all about her fighting back because she's a lesbian. Like, I don't need that. What I would like is to know that there is a balance of characters and there's visibility of characters. And guess what? Serial killers don't really, well, let me backtrack there. That is inaccurate. A lot of the serial killers do care, but Michael Myers probably doesn't care if you're gay or straight. Yeah. He's just gonna kill you because you're in the way. <laughs> uh, so I don't need, you know, a movie that's targeting LGBT. I don't need a, a specifically LGBT villain. What I just want to see is the LGBT community not vilified in the ways that we have been since the 1930s and uh, really just embraced as, if you look at a snapshot of a cast, there can be LGBT characters among them um, and not really, like, it, it not be a big deal. It not feel like something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of horror films, unfortunately, get the stigma that there's, like, the douche and the, you know, the stupid blonde girl and, you know, the stoner and, you know, unfortunately, you know, not racist, so please don't take this in a negative way or anything, but, like, the black guy kind of thing. And, like, there's always this... Or some kind of token minority. Yes. Black, Hispanic, Asian, Asian, absolutely. And I really feel like, I don't know how... I sometimes I really feel like horror is ahead of the game and sometimes I feel like it's like way behind um and I just from my experience I've never seen a horror film that's represented that correctly and but I think unfortunately a lot of people go into these films expecting to see those types of characters depending on what kind of horror you're into if it's gonna be like a slasher film or things like that then of course you're gonna have those um various stereotypical characters um and I'm trying to think that you know even unfortunately when they have like a, a like um like uh, a gay guy in there like he's always just very feminine and I really feel like a lot of times you get these get these stereotypes in characters yeah that these that people expect to see so I feel like I, I feel like I agree with you. They've come a long way, but they also have a lot of work to do when it comes to that mm-hmm. stuff. It's not going to matter. I don't need them to like display it on screen or have the character wear a shirt and be like, I'm gay. Like that's not what we're asking for. But I think more films like What Keeps You Alive is what I was talking about before, um, where it wasn't like exploded splash all over the screen that they were gay. It was just like, okay, like whatever, like, I want to watch the film because it's a good film, not because it's two women in a film and there's, it was just them in the whole film too. There might've been some other supporting cast, but other than that, it was basically just them. And like the whole time you're watching it, you're not thinking, um, anything other than the fact that they're a couple and that, but that's how I watch it. You know, somebody else might watch it completely different. And I think that there should be more representation in the horror community for this. I know a ton of people who are horror fans who would be, you know, would be happy to see that, but it's sort of just like, I think my is like, how would they execute it and do it? Not even like the right way. Like how would they be able to execute the idea 
and and not have it be looked at as like oh that's just a gay horror film I don't want to watch that like you know Mm -hmm. like it's so it's such an interesting way to think about things yeah I mean uh I'm not sure how you felt or if you saw it chapter two oh yeah absolutely loved it Mm -hmm. oh yeah Eddie and yeah yeah listeners right Mm -hmm. but looking at the beginning of that in the beginning of that film there is a lot of controversy because they show a hate crime being committed against a gay, a gay couple. Mm-hmm. And then there's also hints of a romantic line between two Eddie and characters Richie, of the yep. same sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that there. But I think that is a shocking conf- confrontation, right? Like when we can normalize that, that'd be dope. Yeah, I really feel like that would be... Yeah, I actually am obsessed with it. I read the book and everything. Um and that's it's actually in the book it's much worse i don't know if you if you've read the book yeah Yeah. yes 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 so everything that revolved around that scene and everything that happened after um was the same way and that's yes between yeah i've talked about it on my channel before between eddie and richie i love them so much um (laughs) yeah and i think like that's the other thing it's for some people, it's traumatic to watch, and some people just want to turn away. But I think it was absolutely needed to remind you, oh, hey, don't think just because we can get married in some states that uh, we're going anywhere. Don't think that the struggle is over. Don't think that the work is done. Um, don't try to pretend that this doesn't happen still every day. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, I feel like people who who watch films like that, they, they're maybe even naive to it and be like, oh, well, this, this was a long time ago. This doesn't happen anymore. And it happens all the time. Um, yeah, you know, even... You got what you wanted. You can get married. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that, I think that'll, you know, unfortunately there's people who will be affected by scenes like that and, there's scene, and, there, and then there's people who are going to be like, oh, well, that doesn't happen where I'm from, so it doesn't happen anywhere. And then there's those people who are completely shocked shocked that's happening and then there's the other part that are like yeah that still happens all the time um so I think there's a big um I think there's a lot of different ways to look at something like that um now there's also another which I see I love the undertones of the of between like Eddie and Richie and then like um in Supernatural between like Dean and the angel I can't remember his name right now um but I love that but I wish at some way it's kind of like would you rather have the undertones or would you rather them just say that they're together like I don't know for me I don't know I feel I don't know so I think what is often confused with this is do you want to like okay let's look at this in a traditional male-female relationship and I say I use the term traditional very loosely in terms of the scope of like what people expect would you rather see the chase or would you see rather see the guy get the girl? Right? Yeah. They say that, you know, often, you know, the pursuit and, like, that exciting feeling in a relationship when you're, like, just getting to know each other and it's like, oh, but, like, what does she think of me, etc. I think people could confuse the undertones of, um, the undertones of same-sex dynamics in media with that chase. So undertones would be in the sense of like okay yeah like something might be brewing with them but we're not bold enough to just say that they are together so we're just gonna leave it as undertones and never address it that's queer coding um or there's like oh hey 
uh, Eddie, Eddie and Richie. There are some sparks flying there. We don't know what's going to happen yet, but if that were to ever amount to something, yeah, hell yeah, we'd be okay with them being uh, a, gay, a gay couple on screen. Mm-hmm. So there's a very fine line there. Uh, it's a nuanced line, but, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know. I kind of, I think I kind of like that, like, let me look for the clues to put all this together and be like, and when you're like reading the book and things and you watch things on the movie, like when he's, you know, carving the name, their initials and everything, you're like, I see you, Bill Hader. I know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, So for me, I kind of like that whole, like, are they, aren't they? You're not really sure. Um, because I think it's interesting and I, and I like the way that, that, you know, film studio, film productions, things like that kind of play with it. But I think, like you said, there's definitely that fine line between getting to be like, okay, like, let's not be too, you know, abrasive about this, but also just make it fun because, um, yeah. So are there any other films that you like, I don't want to say like, I, I like the craft like that's one of my favorite films of all time yeah. and when I watch that sometimes I'm like are they doing it in there too I'm not sure the spoiler yes uh, there are vibes okay that's, okay that's thing, right? <laughs> LGBT representation will be when we no longer have to rely on picking up vibes and yeah rely on like oh yeah there's a gay character here that's great so in the craft, who who would it be in your opinion? <laughs> oh gosh, I'd have to watch that movie again. Uh, I, haven't <laughs> I haven't seen that I think since I was like in the pro- my own process of like processing whether or not I was gay. So it's been only <laughs> since high school, so I wouldn't want to speculate. Um, but I think when we look at movies like, um, I'll, I'll tell you this: not necessarily about the craft, but looking at other movies that have you know, vibes in them. When we look at High Tension in particular, yeah. that one, one that was that was one that was explicitly just outright. Yeah. We did an episode on that, and it got a little bit too deep on our show. It was too deep for our show, but, like, that movie came out when I was in the pinnacle of, like, finding, figuring out, oh, no, I, I am gay. And mm-hmm. now I am choosing to date guys at school because I am going through this period of self-loathing and being closeted, etc., and that movie, when it came out, was heaved against me. Like, oh, you're gonna fucking go kill, go kill some girl you have a crush on. And yeah. like, it's like, it's looking at the gay community as villains, right? Yes. And it actually dates back to I mentioned earlier the Hayes Code in the 1930s that looked to say, all right, guys, this is America, and if you're not wholesome, you're un-American, and you are basically a communist. So yeah, uh, no explicit sex, uh, no mention of abortion. And no gays. And we're not going to say gays, but we don't want to dignify you with having a term. Just no perversive sex. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, when you look at that, that vilification, I think what, what excites me about the craft is that you can pick up on those vibes because they're not explicitly villains. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think. I, I think, because I swear I watched that movie like... <sighs> once a week at this point um I would have to say Nancy but I think it was just because I don't even know why I guess I'd have to really sit down and watch it again because I have seen it so many times but I've never watched it from 
that point of view, like looking at the different hints and the things that are going on. Um, so I think that, and, and you know, a lot of people that I've talked to, I'm like, well, like, when did you know? And a lot of people are like, well, when I watched this movie or when I saw this thing. Um, so I was reading an article and the craft was, one of the reasons why this author realized that she was gay and I was like that's so interesting um that you would see these characters on a screen these four powerful girls in high school and you feel this more of attraction to them um not because they're badass but also for something else and then I think that's where that whole thing you're like okay well this is how I feel so I'm gonna pick up on hints to see if they're like this too and obviously me being a straight female I've never looked at a film that way I've never I've never thought to see it that way and now I like want to go back and watch all these different horror films and be like can I pick up on these things <laughs> right no I mean, for sure I mean that's like seriously by definition that's queer that's queer coding so it's like using subtext to portray a character who might be gay mm-hmm. maybe they're mm-hmm. anything but cisgendered or heterosexual um and it's as long as they don't ever confirm it in canon that they are cisgendered or heterosexual then they're probably queer and so yeah there you go there's your representation mm-hmm. but that's not enough it, you know kind of, you kind of like omittance isn't you know the difference between telling a lie and omitting something um if you're not outright like identifying a character for what they are then it's just as bad to me. Uh, well, not just as bad, but it's still in the same vein of just, you know, making, pretending they don't exist in the first place. Yeah, it's so interesting. So what other things do you think that I should know about this so that I can pay attention better in the future? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think um, when you look at it, try to look at some of you in some of the older movies, right? So yeah. we're talking about, you know, queer coding. Uh, queer coding, we're looking at the Hayes Code. Uh, so the Hays Code existed in the 1930s. It was adopted in 1930. Didn't really get taken seriously until like 1934, and then it was rampant until the 60s. It died out in the 60s, and that's when the MPAA replaced it with the rating system that we know today, right? So when you look at even something like Frankenstein, Frankenstein was born yeah, into a world with yeah, people hated them yeah, 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 for something yeah. that he couldn't control. Right? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. his choice. He yes. was just living his authentic life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so looking at that, right? So then looking at, like, on a scale... Uh, I saw an article once when I was, like, doing some research a little while ago. But you can basically put your on a scale of... Of a scale of werewolf to vampire, how gay are you? If you're a werewolf, then you're overly aggressive and male. And if you're a vampire, then you are pale, slender, feminine. What? Uh, and you will rely <laughs> on your charm to, uh, to lure your prey, to seduce your prey. Um, but that's really what that looks at. It's looking at villains and finding the queer subtext within that that plants them firmly as villains because really we didn't get until 1963 we didn't get our first true hero who was gay and wasn't a villain or just didn't die or was treated like shit in the movie because they were gay and that was theodore and the haunting 1963 Wow, that's so interesting. I've never, I've honestly never thought about horror in this way. And I just feel like my mind is like, because I just never, yeah, I've never, 
I've never looked at it that way. I've always just watched it for what it was. Yes, I delve deeper into it because I do a lot of like the mental health thing. Um, you know, I liked I like the complexity of the characters, but never in maybe besides when I did it chapter two is when I kind of went into that a little <laughs> bit just because it is um, very in your face about that, but then like not. So I just find it so interesting. So basically what you're saying is that over the years, even not just the characters, but also the villains that are in these films. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the Hayes Code basically said, you know, if you were immoral or unwholesome, then it didn't belong on screen. So filmmakers at that time said, okay, well, it still exists, so we're just making the villains. We're just making the monsters. So their homosexuality or their otherness yeah. uh, became something to destroy and to celebrate conquering or destroying right um even if you look at like werewolves uh some werewolves who have their humanity and like kind of are self-loathing they just want to be normal again they want to be cured again and that's oh that God. same trajectory of emotion that you go through when you're in the early phases of like what am i gay what does this mean i wish i wasn't it's self-loathing oh my I mean, god that's so interesting not every no not not every person has the same journey well, I can tell you that that particularly resonated with me. Yeah. Right. And specifically, um, but when you look at the way things have changed, so we had in the late sixties when the MPAA put their rating system in, mm-hmm. that's kind of when things exploded and shifted. Right. So we got in the seventies, you know, have you ever seen the last house on the left? Yes. Okay. So we have the female member of that. Yes. The goons. Mm-hmm. She felt very sexual. Um, and the sexual with the women who were yes tortured in that movie. Mm-hmm. So that was like one little sliver there. Still a woman who was a villain who may have been bisexual, right? Her bisexuality was an element of her villainness, not not a not an example of a of a strong positive character. When you look at the AIDS HIV and AIDS epidemic that kind of hit its peak in the mid eighties in the country. That's when you have A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 coming out. And that is when that movie, Mark Patton, he wasn't out at the time. And there's an amazing documentary. I definitely recommend that you and your listeners should, should check out. It's called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah. And it's basically how that movie ended his career. Because wow. his agent saw him. And this is a point in America where men had to get blood tests if they were signing a contract. Um, if you were gay, you weren't going to get work. Rock Hudson had passed away, the leading man of us for so many decades. And when you look at that, it shows that, you know, he was in this movie. He realizes there's gay subtext in it. He's not out yet. And then his agents say, yeah, okay, you did really well in the movie. You can carry a movie, but now you're just going to be a character because we don't believe you can be straight. And that ended his career. Oh, my God. This is like, this is so crazy. I'm going to watch that. This is so crazy. I, this is, see, this is why I have people on my show that can teach me things about things that I just never even think about. And this is, like I said, this is just me just being honest because I'm always honest. I'm always yeah. honest with everybody. I had absolutely no idea that there was this whole other sub context culture thing that was going on within horror. And I just find that so interesting because I've been podcasting for maybe two years, but I've been in the horror world for a very long time. And I just, I guess I, maybe I just wasn't 
picking up on it and wasn't paying attention to it or there's just more people than me that I that I just didn't realize that there's more people out there who's not realizing that these things exist within a horror film and it's not anything negative I think it's pretty fucking badass I think that it's so cool that there are these um you know like you said like I never knew that thing about the you know the last house on the left i I've seen both of them and I didn't really pick up on any of that. And I just think that's so cool. And I think that my listeners are going to really appreciate it. And I think that they're going to go back and they're going to be just completely blown away by some of those things or they just know and it's just me, but I don't think it's just me. (laughs) I mean, the, the reality of the world that we live in today is, you know, we are where we are because we have people who have begun to learn about others and we have people who still don't know yet. And that's not necessarily for any lack of trying. It's just mm-hmm. a lack maybe of exposure or yeah. just the, hey, like, let's stop and think about this for a second. Because today this topic's about LGBT representation. Mm-hmm. But the same is, uh, goes for African-American representation, Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, looking at any representation whatsoever, any marginalized group, that isn't just like the predominantly, um, you know, straight white men yeah. who tend to be like the face of the horror community, even though we know that in reality, horror it's, comes in all yeah. shapes and sizes. Yeah. Horror is for everyone. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the reality. Uh, we all live in our little microcosms here, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is the most relevant to me because it's the yes. path that I've lived, the life that I've lived. Yes. But that's not to say there aren't others out there. Yes, that, that's an excellent way to put it is this is the life that you have. So this is what you see and this is what, this is how you view things. Whereas me, when I watch a horror film, I'm like, oh, can we not have the girl be like a dumbass, please? Not for every horror film because most of the horror films, especially the ones that I love, um, you know, we have, you know, Laurie Strode and Sidney Prescott and we have, you know, characters like big dynamic feminist amazing characters but then I really feel like we're doing so well in that but then if you look at other horror films it's always just relying on you know a woman's body which is something that I've paid attention to so that does make sense and I and I do believe that horror has put it's sort of like down the middle like you have this amazing group of just final girls like Jessica Biel you know as um and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, you have all of these things. But then on the other side, you just have, you know, these girls just, just running around naked in the woods, which is, yeah. some, you know. I think it's going to be a long time, but we'll get to the yeah. point maybe one day when in horror, the killing is indiscriminate and yeah. the survival is also indiscriminate. Mm-hmm. And I think when we stop painting, having to paint as the final girl against the male villain, you know, like Jesse. Mark Patton is Jesse in Friday in uh, in Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. Two Freddy's Revenge. He was ahead of ahead of his time, and America was not ready for that movie. Yeah, but the reception he gets now is proof that it needed to be made. Yeah, absolutely, and I I, I really feel like the horror community as a whole is always accepting of anybody who loves horror there is not one person that I've met in this community that is that is you know just they're just all good people and I really feel like the people who create the horror films are also too and I and there's no there's just you know with the I like what I what I like to say is like the public which is people who are not within the horror community they are not I personally don't think that they're ready to see that shift 
Whereas the fans in the horror community are ready and we will accept it, but we're okay with how long it takes. But I feel like you said, like with, with the nightmare, like they weren't ready to see that. And I don't really know if they're still ready to see it. Um, and that's really unfortunate as a realization. Maybe one day, but I mean, horror is for everyone, right? Like that's even why we built our show the way that it is with the, with the varying perspectives. Even yes. some of our biggest listeners who reach out and interact with us on regular, the most different you could be in political leanings and things like that. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't matter because yeah. we're all here bonding over our love of horror movies. Absolutely. We're just humans being humans yeah. watching different movies. Yeah, and I think that it's really important um, to, if you're listening to this episode and this is all like mind-blowing to you as well to do your research on it um, because I really feel like as I continue to watch horror, which I will because I do it all the time, um, I will start to look for those sorts of things and see how each community is represented and see how, you know, how differently um, these groups of people may see themselves in these films because, you know, for 31 years or however, you know, however long I've been watching horror, I've been watching horror not for 31 years, but like for a long time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) For as long as I can remember watching horror films, I've always sort of, exactly the way that you said it Chris is I look at it the way that I would look at it as a straight female and I would never I never thought to look at it as from someone else's point of view and then it totally opens this whole world up to me like I want to interview somebody who is African-American like how do you feel about this how does this feel or an Asian person and be like how do you feel about how you're represented because I think it's something that needs to be talked about and I like I said I love learning about this stuff because if I don't understand something or if I am not privy to something I want to know all about it and I want to talk to people that are educated on it and I just think it's so cool that um, you're on the show and that this is way more than what I expected it to be. Not that I, <laughs> not that I had low expectations cause your guys' podcast is amazing. Oh, um, thanks. We don't get this deep on there. So <laughs> yes. Yes. My podcast, I get, I get, I do. I try to get pretty deep when it comes to the mental health and things like that, because I think it's important to talk about. And I think that it's, it's, it's important for listeners to understand that it's okay if you look at a movie differently than somebody else. Um, I've said for years, I've said for as long as I've had my podcast that I have my opinion, but I a hundred percent respect anybody else's opinion when it comes to that same film. And, um, I think that's, what's really important. So I hope that, you know, the listeners just take away that this is something that I wanted to be educated on. Um, it's something that, you know, it was Chris's idea. She came to me and, you know, she told me about it and I was like, this sounds amazing because I have absolutely no idea about any of this stuff. So you're going to teach me because I don't know. And I know that there's way more things that, that you could probably teach me in an, you know, in more than an hour about all of this, um, can't put it all into an hour, but, um, I just wanted to, to kind of go over the basics of it and sort of, you know, what you would expect for the future. Um, I would love to have like, you know, like a female horror villain and like the male scream queen thing. Like, I think that would just be so freaking cool. Um, or a male villain and a male scream queen like we had with Freddy. Like, I don't even care. I don't even care. Like, I just think it would be cool to see somebody who is, you know, like 
I don't, I don't even know. Because I really feel like each culture kind of has their own, like Train to Busan, like you were saying. Like that oh, movie God, was a beautiful movie. Loved that movie. It was amazing. It scared the shit out of me. Um, but I think that, uh, for me at least, I hope to see in the future a more like blended version of everything together and have mm-hmm. it look different. But like you said, have not... D- make- like not care about that because it's the whole point of evolving is not caring whether it's two chicks or two dudes or one dude and one you know what i mean so yeah but the point is like we're not at that point yet because we have to try hard to insert things and make sure that there is representation so that we can get to the point where it's normalized right it's like building a muscle you know Mm -hmm. you don't you don't go from out of shape to super jacked in a week i wish work a long time (laughs) at it and you know continuously stretch different muscles in different ways yeah, and so I am excited to see, and I really hope that, and I, like, that's so interesting that you said It Chapter 2, because I think that is amazing, That's that was just such a good way to sort of move and evolve into that, because It Chapter 2 was such a popular movie, um, so I do hope they continue to do things like that, um, so I'm trying to think if there's any films coming out horror films coming out um that would maybe do something like that because uh one can hope one can hope i mean as long as we don't get the queer baiting like um yeah we had in uh, the rise of skywalker when uh, i think somebody involved in the production said, yeah we're gonna have a gay kiss in there two people in the background kissing for like one second okay um so that is like did that like, happen advertise it and say it's gonna be a big thing and it's not a big thing so it's, it's a little complicated oh did they do that see i don't watch star wars i'm sorry i don't know so they know, they okay. did that it's... they did that yeah i mean but it, you know at the same time like i wasn't that mad at it because that is like it was like a quick glimpse of like oh hey yes like this is a world in which that is a normal very very normal thing but it was the announcement of it leading up to that that i'm like why'd you create expectations that it was gonna be something different oh oh yeah that's dope what verbiage did they use to announce that like wait for i can't even remember but wait for the gay kiss (laughs) like wait for the gay kiss in star wars like what it's gonna be gay gay representation or same-sex representation or same-sex couple or something to that effect oh yeah no you're totally right they shouldn't have marketed that way that was a bad marketing move (laughs) you got got it there it is. There's That's a that box. bad marketing move for that. Because then you expect it's going to be like a main character or something. And then when it's not. Yeah. So. Especially, I, they're probably baiting because of uh, uh, Finn and Poe. Who, you know, famously, like, for years since The Force Awakens came out, people have been championing them for them to get together. Um Oh, that's not cool then. Yeah. That's not cool yeah. to say that. That's messed up. That's just trying to sell tickets. I mean, I understand it from a marketing point of view, but still, that's not cool. I don't like that. Stop playing with our emotions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stop playing with our emotions when it comes to this stuff because y'all are waiting for something way different. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So, Chris, is there anything else you would like my audience to know about this topic? And then we'll kind of move on to the... You can do your plugs and stuff. Just that things are changing and things are happening and, and traveling in a very positive direction, even if you look at the 2019 film, The Perfection, um, and looking at the idea of, of two women coming together despite their trauma and not because of their trauma. Um, there, there are positive things happening all the time. We had Domo overturned, then we have the Babadook. You know, we have yes! Perfection, we have chapter <laughs> two. 
Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed in 2011, and then in 2012, Para Norman gave us the first openly yeah. gay character in the animated movie. Yes, so, he was. I remember. What was his name? It was the big, Mitch. big, yeah, it was the big dude, right? I remember. Yeah. I saw that movie in theaters. I loved that movie. Um, yeah, so things are, things are looking up, and uh, it's all going to be okay, but it's just going to be a while before we get there. Yeah, yeah. I know the horror community is ready to see that because we always like to see new things. But like I said, the public, you know, they're a little bit, they're a little behind. So they'll catch up eventually. They'll catch up eventually. So, Chris, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, for sure. You can find us over at our website, hackerslash.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Everything is at hack or slash, all one word. All right, and I will definitely put all of their links into the show notes. Chris, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for educating me on all of the subjects. Uh, this was so interesting to me. Um, thank definitely you for being good soil to education. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is something uh, a little bit different than what I usually do on the show, but I think that it's something that needs to be talked about. I think that people need to be educated on subjects like this because it is fascinating to see things. You always should look from look look at other people's perspective especially if it's something that you don't understand um this is why I was really excited to have Chris on the show because this is something that I didn't know much about and I am happy to say after this hour is over I am more educated on this subject but there's still a lot to learn um so Chris stay safe thank you so much for being on the show and I am sure I will talk to you soon word stay safe out there guys (laughs)